Welcome to our channel. As you take your time to listen to God's word today with us, we believe and pray that this sermon will be a blessing for you as well as your family. Welcome back to the series, The Missing Peace. We are in part two of the series today. Last week, God spoke to us about the wholeness of God's peace that we can experience and knowing that just absence of problems doesn't mean there is peace in life. In fact, the presence of God brings peace into our hearts. And this morning, we're going to look into part two of this series, The Missing Peace. A lot of us in this world, including Christians and non-Christians, everybody is longing for peace in life. Amen? And peace is something that we try to sort of achieve, in fact, um, you know, in all of our lives. How many of you have people in your life that you love? Raise your hands quickly. You have people in your life that you love. You love them. That's great. Put your hands down. How many of you have people in your life that you find hard to love? My name was more honest. Eleven name is like, should I raise? Don't look at them if they are here. Just keep your hands up. All eye contact on me. Okay. All right, you can put it back down. You can put it back down. We all have people, relationships, friendships, marriage, various seasons. Nobody can ever claim in this world that you've not come across people, right? People are just there. They're just there. Sometimes they're so easy to love. And sometimes they're so difficult to love. Normally, you know, when you start the year, you know, you make a decision, I'm going to be a positive person. I'm going to love and care for everybody. Even if they hate me, I'm going to just make it, you know, look good and be kind and be nice. Uh, but it just lasts for like, you know, what, two to three weeks in Jan until something happens, right? Feb, March, April, May, and then you just have ups and downs and ups and downs in life. And then towards the end of the year, you're just going, oh man, it's going crazy. This is just getting difficult and difficult. Every year is the same scenario. And you probably come to a point, this tipping point towards the end of the year in your life going, next year, I'm, I wish I can eliminate them, but I can't. But, you know, I'm going to try harder. Many of us, we lose peace. And we have lost peace because of people in our lives. In fact, your peace is connected directly to the people who are around you, whether we like it or not. Uh, experts actually say, post-COVID, a lot of relationships have taken some interesting turns. Relationships that they thought is going to be forever has become ended, like has come to an end. Relationships that they thought is not strong has actually evolved and become stronger. It's been a very interesting time. We live in a life where, uh, we live in a world where this world is going to essentially shut down at one point. It's not permanent. Everything that we see around us is not permanent. Because in the midst of those, um, you know, uncertainty, in the midst of things that, that is not permanent, we still assume and behave like that, that this is going to be permanent, this is going to be forever. With this, we have an added stress in life. You bring stress from home. You bring stress from school. You bring stress 
from your financial issues and, and, and to tip that you have stress from people in your life. Anybody experience people stress? Wow. There are a few that are aliens in our midst. People stress have led people to depression. People stress have led them to isolation. Disappointment after disappointment. And they feel there is no control over it. Family gatherings that is supposed to end in a good note have ended in fightings. Relationships and phone calls that started well but hung up abruptly. Churches that are supposed to stay united but have split into pieces because of relationships. This whole scenario of people being, you know, stressed and, and not finding peace and has disrupted the entire society. We live in an age which I would love to call as an age of perpetual offense. Everybody is always offended about something. Can you relate? Have you noticed? You call an Uber or an uh, Ola or something, that guy is offended even before he sees you. For some reason. Can you give me 20 extra? Why should I give you 20 extra? That's it. He's offended. He comes with a long face or he cancels on you. We live in a cancel culture. Cancels the trip. You go just order. The other night after life group, we just ordered some tea in a place and that guy seems to be angry. And I'm like, dude, why are you angry? Like, I just ordered tea. Your job is to make tea. Sir, take it. If you want, you take it. Like, okay. People are constantly in a place of perpetual offense. People are quick to judge. We are quick to condemn. We are quick to call out foul. We are quick to be offended. If you are on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. Because we live in a world of offense. But here's the thing. Nobody can win in their life by living in offense. Offense does not even bring productivity in your own life. You cannot say, I was so offended that I got everything done today. You don't. Offense is a reason for you to not do anything. Nobody can ever say, I'm so offended, my life is so much better now. Bring on the offense. Here's the news. Being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Let me say that again. Being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. The title of my sermon this morning is When People Drive Me Crazy. How is that? It's awesome? All right. But put a lot of A's, okay? I... I it's not crazy. It's crazy. Everybody say, when people drive me. Yeah, I was talking about you. I'm joking. 
Don't be offended. No fun. We all experience this in family, outside family. You have just got up and said like one day, oh, they just drive me crazy. Could be anyone, right? But how do you manage that? How can you live in peace when you have people around you that drives you crazy? Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, I pray that this word will speak into our hearts. These are not opinions, but this is your truth. So we will listen, we will act in obedience, and we will be healed and restored by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 18. 14, this is what it says. Bless those who persecute you. When I read that, I was like, oh, failed. Right away. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And verse 18, I love this verse. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's read that again. Shall we read it together? One, two, three, go. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I love the prerequisite that, that Paul has put up there because he goes, if it's possible, if it's possible, and, 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 and it kind of brought to my heart, Paul understands that it's not possible. <laughs> Maybe he himself knows that it's just not possible because Paul, if anyone, Paul has offended a lot of people in his life and he knows it's not possible. So maybe it's not possible for me as well. It's just if it's possible. I'm going to take the first part of the words, not possible. <laughs> End of sermon, pastor. But it says, as far as it depends on who? Not on the other person. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everyone. In other words, my peace is in my hands. My peace is my responsibility. My peace is not in the hands of somebody else. It is actually, God has given it to me in my hands. It starts with saying, bless those who persecute you. Just the word bless, in Hebrew, it's eulogio, eulogio. It it's, it's means to speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone. In other words, it's easy to bless somebody who, who you like, right? It's easy to bless someone that blesses you back. Bless you, bless you. Easy. But it's hard to bless someone who does not speak well of you. The word bless means, it's not to say blessings. 
the word bless means to actually speak well of someone. You actually get up and say something nice about them. Maybe we should try that. You know, when you sneeze and we say this thing, bless you. Don't just say bless you. You are a good man. Nice sneeze. Say something nice about them. That's what blessing means. Is to actually, not to say be blessed. It's to actually say something. Speaking well of someone. Romans 12.1 it says, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Bless those who persecute you. What is the connection to Romans 12.1? Because you see, that verse is coming in the same chapter towards the end, but the beginning of the chapter is talking about giving pure worship to God. And if we are not blessing the ones that who do not speak well of us, we are actually failing in our worship. In other words, your worship, your heart of worship is directly connected to the condition of your heart when it comes to people who are offending you. How you react to the offense has a level of worship in it. Are you understanding this? You're called to live a life holy and pleasing to God. May this be your true worship. We are called to be a living sacrifice. Two contradictory words. Sacrifice is death. Living. Living sacrifice. How is that possible? Jesus sacrificed himself. We are living under his righteousness. But we are called to sacrifice ourselves. That's why in the later part of that same chapter, he's talking about do not live in pride or don't be conceited. Pride and conceit takes a heart into a place of bitterness. And from a place of bitterness, we are already in sin. And that is not a pleasing worship to God. We are deceived. In verse 16, in Romans 12, verse 16, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Pride kills us. Many a times we take offense because you want to prove them that you are right. Offense, that's where it starts. Because you know what they're saying is wrong. And, and they are wrong, according to you. For them it's six, for you it's nine. And you can argue all day long. But here's the thing. Jesus did not tell us to handle offense by being right. In fact, he's telling us to be loving. To be loving. Stop listening to someone so that you can respond back to them. Many a times that's what we do. We just listen so that you just listen, 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 one point. Ah, that's where I told you. That's what I told you. And we're wanting to prove that we are right. We're wanting to prove that it is our right. But it's not about being right. It's about being loving. 
If you can't see another perspective in a person, the perspective of God in that person, your impact in their life will always be limited. Apply this in any relationship. This is the, this is the fundamental truth. If you cannot see another perspective, your impact will always be limited. Biologically, we are designed to respond to offense. When you're offended, what is the first thing that you do? Even from a little kid, what is the first response? One of the most powerful response? Stop communicating. Even kids do that. I will not talk to you. Nobody taught them that stopping the communication shows that you are offended. It's just such a natural response. I will, I will not talk to you. There is a medical term for this. It's, it's kind of a treatment. This, have you heard it? The silent treatment. Those who are married will know. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you're just getting started. <laughs> One of the most effective treatments in marriage. Silent treatment. Sitting in corners, not talking. Hours, days, months. Depends on the heaviness of the problem. And the vision that you have for the fight. And where you want it to land. And oftentimes, it's all about being right. Who is right? Who is right? Who is right? That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Even after you've reconciled, somewhere down the line, you still want to bring it back. But I still told you, it happens. And our brain has a way of functioning because the moment you stop talking, right, you are talking inside. And you're creating this narrative, a story of assumption because the moment you stop talking, you're not listening, you don't verify, and then you create an assumption, you create a story in your head and it's not just a story anymore, it's become a conviction in your heart. And many times when they narrate the story out and you ask them, is it really true? Did it actually happen? They'd be like, I am pretty sure that's what happened. Did you verify? No. But I know that's what would have happened. Because that's why they said this and that person would have said that. And, and they have a whole lot of logic and connections happen. And it's all based on a story that's created in your head through assumptions. Because there are gaps and you're trying to fill it with your head. Because you stop talking. You stop talking. This is where the devil works. The devil tries to write a story and brings you for, to a place, not from a reconciliation, from a place of reconciliation, he moves you to a place of accusation. And you stay in the place of accusation based on an assumption and story that you have created in your head and then now... The pastor has to break his head to figure this out of how you bring this person out of this spirit of accusation based on an assumption. And the Holy Spirit is also doing the same in your life to, to, to help you come out of that. 
he always thinks about himself he doesn't care she doesn't trust anyone she doesn't trust me many accusations after accusations after accusations it has eroded marriages it has split friendships it has actually destroyed churches because people lost peace and devil started working in the manner of accusations i am not saying all accusations are untrue there could be a level of context to it but at the same time when it comes to the peace of your heart in the context of protecting your heart and your soul and living under the character of jesus even when you are accused even when you are accused for something that you are not that you have not done you need to understand something and you got to understand ephesians 4:2 ephesians 4:2 says be patient be patient be patient be patient be patient with each other making allowance for each other's fault because of your love people that you truly care people that you truly love in fact we are so caring towards strangers but we are so impatient with our own family you know that with our own family we are impatient some stranger would have done it but you still you want to put yourself out as the most gracious forgiving person here i am on the cross i forgive you some guy some dude random and then you come home some chappal is on the way you kick it out like what is this nonsense i don't like such behavior pastor is going into prophetic mode no it's not prophetic and all it's just fact <laughs> happens every home we are so impatient with the people that god has actually put in our life our own father our own mother husband wife children people who are actually you're supposed to love and care for your destiny helpers divine connections that god has brought into your life but we are impatient we are impatient as a young man when i was starting in ministry i was very impatient still am part of me very impatient and when i was an associate pastor or youth pastor in one of these churches and and there was a lot of offense from the outside in fact not even from the youth ministry i was in i was in a uh, um in a church that was filled with a lot of white people and the reason i'm pointing this out because the the politics was around that the politics was around color the offense was around that in fact it was like a we are not racist but we are <laughs> we won't say it but we will say it and i was the only brown guy who's actually leading a bunch of youth and i say bunches of over 70 people and they're all native english people and i'm like trying to lead and do whatever the best that i can but then there are people in the church who took offense just because of the color of my skin it's like well i tried fair and lovely <laughs> if i have to really satisfy you i have to just peel my skin even then 
it is not going to be your color it just they took offense and took offense and i just kept hearing offense hearing offense and i just got so impatient and i wanted to quit on the young people that i was leading i wanted to quit the ministry i was on fire for jesus but i was on more fire for the ones who were offending me <laughs> so i walked into the pastor's office one fine morning and just said pastor i am done and he goes no you're not sit down matured pastors and he said what's the problem talk to me so i just poured out everything to him and he said did the youth offend you in any way no they're the most loving young people i love being with them so why are you quitting on someone when the offense is from somewhere else and this is where many a times many a times the devil traps us the devil traps us and he said these words to you and i want to point these words back to you this morning and i wrote i wrote it in my heart which i never forget this is what he told me he said your life is too short and your calling is too great to be offended by something small when i heard it for the first time you know what i heard not the first part the last part something small did you just say that my offense is small like i said i was young immature i was sitting there going he just called me and my problems small so i continued to talk it might be small for you but it's not small for me where i come from and he goes sam listen to what i said your life is too short compared to the offense that you're carrying because your your offense is not going to make your life better your life is too short and your calling is too great if you can only understand that our calling is greater and the purpose that god has put in our life is greater not in a prideful way but in a humbling way that god has called us and he has purposed us so we cannot live in perpetual offense with people because compared to what christ has done every offense that you are experiencing in your life is small it's small if anyone who has the right to be offended it's jesus it's jesus but he did not take offense because if he had taken offense that verse will not exist in the bible where it says even while we are yet sinners he came he came sin basically represents that we are against god he came to to the ones who are against him sin is not just like you you are actually declaring i am against god by sinning because he is holy he is righteous imagine if jesus was just easily offended by everything if you just read the new testament and just look at jesus's ministry when should he have quit if he started taking offense is it when he healed the 10 lepers and all nine left and only one came back is it when peter betrayed him is it when judas betrayed him if jesus had to take offense we wouldn't be living in this miracle 
Should he have been offended when Thomas doubted his resurrection? How dare you, Thomas? I went all the way through the cross and I rose again and here I am. And you are here playing, you know, poking through my finger and all that. You are doubting me? Being offended is inevitable. But living in offense is your choice. That's why Paul writes, if you, if you can live in peace with everyone, choose peace. Choose peace. How can you choose peace? Proverbs 19.11, it says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's key. Patience is key. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Don't stop at every signal that is causing you offense and pick a fight. You'll be just fighting for the rest of your life. You'll be just offended about anything and everything. Overlooking offense is not like you're pretending that it's not happening. It is happening. But you are making a conscious decision to let it go. To let it go. To let it go. Letting it go is simply a form of forgiveness. In Hebrew, there's a word called avor. A-V-O-R. Avor. It means to pass over. Wish sometimes as a pastor, when I'm counseling people, I'm not going to tell who and all that. Relax. Sometimes, just want to really say it. Get over it. Get over it. It's not as big as you think it is. But sometimes, many times, you can't say that because they have gone into this place of offense and assumption that something small has become super zoomed in their mind and their heart because the devil is an accuser. And he has put so many accusations and lies into their minds that it, is, it has become complicated. But this morning, God is not asking you to dwell in offense. He's not replaying anything. He's not magnifying anything in your mind. He's just saying, pass it over. Pass it over. So when you say, I'm over it, you're saying, Lord, I pass this offense to you. You deal with it. I'm going to stay in peace. Are you understanding this? I'm going to stay in peace. For I live in the peace of God. Someone makes maybe a passive aggressive comment. And you want to go and, well, you're all good people. I want to go and punch them. I know you don't feel that way at all. You want to say something. You want to offer them unto the Lord as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. 
Lord, are you still doing burnt offerings? <laughs> Anger, pride kills us. But God is saying, can you declare it? I'm over it. Now when you say I'm over it, you're not saying from a place of like, actually I've dealt with it. <sighs> I'm over it. No. You're just passing it over to the Lord saying, if you start dealing with it, you'll be at a place of perpetual offense. But if you can just hand it over to God and you will remain in peace. But pastor, this whole thing, it's two-way thing, isn't it? They should also realize reconciliation is two-way thing. They need to, I need to make sure that they realize that they are wrong and I am right. That's what kills us. That's what kills your peace. That's what kills your marriage. That's what kills your family. That's what kills peace in churches. That's a killer. That thought is a killer. And it's not from God. It's not from God. God is saying, just hand it over to me. Pass it over. Yeah, reconciliation is a two-way thing. But forgiveness is a one-way. You don't need someone to come and reconcile to you for you to forgive. Because Christ proved that to us. We did not reconcile, but he still chose to forgive us, forgive us, and we are forgiven. While we are sinners, he died on the cross. He said, you're forgiven. Even before you confessed, you were forgiven. He did the work. He paid the price. It's not a two-way street. Forgiveness is not a two-way street. It's not a two-way traffic. It's one way. You can still forgive even if they did not apologize to you. Even if they didn't realize. You can still choose to forgive. Because you're not acting from a place of I want to be right. You're acting from a place of I want to be loving. It is that that will bring success in your relationships. It is that that will bring success in your marriage. It is that that will bring success in God's kingdom and in this church. Love doesn't seek to win, uh, win the argument. Love seeks to protect the relationship. Life is too short. Your calling is too great to be offended by something small. In fact, most of the stuff is small. There has been situations out of my immaturity that I handled in the past and I was right but I was not loving. I was right but I was not loving. And what do you think God is going to appreciate? Me being right or me being loving? You can't have both. You can either be right or you can be loving. When you be loving, 
the righteousness of Jesus will come through. When you're right, only your pride will come through. You can't do both. In ministry, in fact, I started quite young in ministry. I entered in, I was 22, 23. And as a young man, I took offense for so many things. I let pride work in my life. took me over a long time in fact a decade for god to really break my pride and today as i'm serving as a pastor and and also god friends and mentors leaders over my life who keeps me on check still at times i just want to i just want to handle it you know what i mean certain offenses i just want to handle it my way god just allow me just this one time god and i know many of you sitting here you feel the same i know this is what the bible says but just let me handle it but there's no good in it because if god decided to handle us we would have disappeared but he did not decide to handle us he decided to love us love us many times i've i've heard people talking about me commenting saying stuff not nice things here in this church heard it with my own ears but then i made this choice long time back saying i pass it over to you lord i pass it over to you so whatever comes my way i'm already over it this is how paul lived and i'm not saying i am as good as paul nowhere close to him nowhere close to jesus I'm trying. My message this morning here is you can too. No one no one could have possibly offended Paul because he came to a stage where he started with less of me and more of you Lord and to a place he came said not I but you. I'm totally dead. I'm totally dead. Christ in me. So if somebody came and threatened Paul if you preach the gospel I will kill you and he, Paul goes and is that your best threat I'm already dead dude I don't care about making it in life by being alive You want to kill me go ahead I'm ready to meet Jesus That was Paul's state of mind No government no authorities no person were able to offend him that's why even in prison he was able to minister through letters so powerful can you imagine paul being offended in prison half of the new testament would, wouldn't be there <laughs> the many times that paul went into prison and he took offense for it christ in me is greater what he has done for me 
is much greater than the offense that I'm experiencing right now. So I pass it over. This is what I'm inviting you to do this morning. Take a minute. I don't know what happened to you in your life, who offended you or what offended you. But one thing I know, one thing I know for sure, you're not supposed to hold on to it. You're supposed to pass it over. Not to any man, not to any woman, not to any pastor, not to any prophet, but to Jesus. All eyes closed in this room. Pass it over to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart right now as you pass it over to Him. upbringing maybe your father or your mother played a huge role in the offense that you're carrying in your life right now just pass it over to God you're not supposed to hold on to them pass it over to the perfect father the one who adores you one who knows you, the one who has called you by his name. Maybe there are offenses in your heart that you're carrying from your family, something your husband did, something your wife did, something your in-laws said, something your relatives said, some, somebody, someone. Maybe your own children, your own children. is saying pass it over I got this you don't have to hold on to this for I'm giving you peace I'm giving you peace don't lose your peace over this pass it over to me I'm giving you peace in this take my hand walk with me and forgive them let it go forgive them Forgive them, forgive them. But I am restoring your heart. God needs to restore your heart before he restores relationships. Can he do that? The sense of healing that God is bringing right now. Father, we give you all the glory and honor. I pray in the beautiful name of Jesus that every heart who has been tuned into you right now, who is seeking a place, who is seeking healing and 
wanting to move into a place of peace in their hearts. And as they pass it over, all the offenses that they're carrying in their heart, and they have been carrying in their heart for so long, as they pass it over onto you, Lord Jesus, I pray that they will receive peace. A peace that no man can give, but only your peace that will restore them. As they pass it on to you right now, in the name of Jesus, let them receive it. Let them receive it. Give them the strength to forgive. Give them the strength to let it go. Jesus name. Amen. 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 God is at work in your life. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope that it was a blessing for you as well as your family. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe and hit the bell icon to be notified on our upcoming sermon. We hope to see you next week with another inspiring sermon. Until then, God bless you all.